Make money online. So one of my favorite questions to ask colleagues, freelancers, consultants, friends is uh, what, what they're reading recently. What's on their Kindle? What's on their nightstand? So Nick, dear friend, what have you been reading recently? Um, I read a book for all of the content strategists and copywriters out there who are working on like big thorny websites. It's called Content Design by Sarah Richards. And it's fucking awesome. Um, that book was like 120 pages and I went through it in like two hours and it was just relentlessly entertaining. It was the kind of typesetting that made me just slap my head and think like, why aren't I doing this? Which I never get. Um, that book was just fucking amazing. Um, that's the first one I wanted to mention. Um, I've been going through a handful of art books lately that are weird. I have not found any good business books that aren't a million dollar consulting value-based fees or, um, the personal MBA lately. Um, Kai, do you like business books? I love business books. I, I see the return on investment being very, very high. Uh, typically a business book will take me three to six hours to read. Uh, uh, we, we should get into our reading habits on this episode because I think talking about how we read books could be valuable here as well. But it takes me four to six hours to read. If I'm able to come out of it with like one idea, that's great. That's an idea I'm able to use in my business. And I see the value of those ideas, the value of somebody saying, I have worked in this field or this industry or in business for 10, 20, 30 years. I'm distilling all the lessons I've learned around this topic down to a book for you to read in four to eight hours. I love business books because they give me that insight into the thought process of the person who wrote it. So I think there's a huge return on investment there, but I'm also very quick to discard books that don't seem to be panning out. If I read the first two chapters and I'm like, eh, I'll skim the index, see if there's one or two chapters that call out to me. If there's not, I'll put the book in the pile that I donate every couple of months and just be done with it. So I very, very, very much am okay with saying, hey, this book, not a good fit. I'm going to pass on it. But I think there's a lot of value inside of business books. Yeah. So for me, um, and I learned this from, uh, I think it was you. Basically, if you can get like one valuable thing out of a business book, it probably paid for the book. Um, assuming you bought the book. Um, I check a lot of books out of the library because I'm lucky to live right by a gigantic library. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot to that. That notion that like, if you can get one good thing, that's still valuable. I think it's interesting to hear you say like I read the first two chapters because for me, I actually I go to if it's a nonfiction book, I go to the table of contents and like cherry pick the most important points and then I'm done with it. Ah, yeah, um, that's a good strategy, especially because if it's a business book, I think I hate business books because almost all of them can be distilled to at best a medium post and it usually began as a medium post. Um, and then got fleshed out into a book that's literally just a fever dream retelling of the medium post. You know, at worst, it's like three bullet points or two sentences. And you've got to find the two sentences, right? I read a book that um, I'm going to subtweet that could literally be six questions in two sentences. And that's valuable. I got a lot out of that. But it was a fucking 200-page book. 
what? I don't need to read. I don't need to spend, I read about a page a minute. I don't need to spend three and a half hours reading a 200 page book and not really get a whole lot out of it. And that's, that's the thing. Like I need, I so care mad about this because there are so many books that are just not filler. They're just expanded and distended expressions of the core idea. Yeah, it's like a mini booklet that was stretched to book length. And it has the same amount of valuable, or I'll be generous, it has a little more valuable content. The amount of valuable content has increased, but not in direct proportion to the length. Right, right. Yeah, and and I get why that is, right? The reason people write books is to play off like their cool established published author. Like that's a large part of why people write books. Um, and I'm guilty of this, right? Like when sometimes I put out books and there's not filler in them, but I'm putting out a book so that I can have a book out. And that's not really quite the thing. So I, I'm very hesitant to like strongly endorse a lot of books. I rather like endorse the points within the books and to say, here's how you analyze the book, right? Here's how you get the things that matter a lot out of the book. Um, and that's not, again, it's not to say the book is bad. The system is bad that encourages people to put out books that could benefit by being maybe 150 to 199 pages shorter. And I hope with my books, the goal, the ultimate goal is to make there be as little filler and expanded out content as humanly possible. It should all be valuable for somebody. Every word of it should be valuable for somebody. With that in mind, um, Content Design was a fucking awesome book that I read lately. Um, I read a really good book on interviewing people by Steve Portugal lately. That's not necessarily new, but it's... Um, it's still really interesting and excellent. What have you been? I'm going to keep pulling out books that I've been reading lately uh, while I ask you this question so you can go off on it. I just read uh, Sourdough by Robin Sloan. Uh, he was, I can't remember his exact title. He was like director of media relations at Twitter when Twitter was good. So let's say 2010, 12-ish, if I have my dates correct. Uh, he was the author of Mr. Penumbra's Bookstore or Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore. Uh, this is his new fiction novel. It's it's very, very good. I'm a big fan of Robin's writing. And what I liked the most about Sourdough is it's, it's a book written about people working in the tech space, but it's a book that acts as not a rejection of spending 10, 15, 20 hours a day at your day job, but saying there are other paths here. There are things we need to return to. There are crafts and the the joy you get from working with your hands on a project of creating something and growing something that you don't necessarily get in your day job or don't necessarily get in the tech industry. And I absolutely love Sourdough for really being, to me, a... a a very strong statement that, well, there's value in going back to the basics and going back to crafts we practice in creating things. And I very, very much enjoyed it. On top of that, Robin's a great writer. And so it was a very fun read. I read an excellent book from uh, Amber Case, 
uh, called Calm Technology. She identifies, here's a good positioning for you, cyborg anthropologist. Oh! <laughs> right? That um, is great. But she also coined this term Calm Technology, I think, or like expanded on it substantially, um, called Calm Technology, which are basically like non-intrusive, non-black hat patterns for user experience design. And it is... God, the book we need and deserve right now, just like getting devices out of our lives so that technology can like help and assist us without being like too heavy handed, you know? Um, and that always, that always kind of threw me that that was like, I don't know, just like a thing that technology aspires to, right? Like the goal is to be glued to the thing as much as humanly possible or so a UX designer will tell you, right? Um, that's, that's a big thing. And then there's one, I read the first of a four volume, um, he calls it an essay, which lol, but it's, uh, it's literally, uh, like a 2,800 page essay. If so, called the nature of order, um, by Christopher Alexander. And I talk about Christopher Alexander a lot in my first book, Cadence and Slang. Um, he's an architect from Berkeley who now lives in England who um, coined the term a pattern language and comes up with various design patterns to exist in various houses. And I think this is kind of a natural uh, consequence of him growing older and people growing more wrongheaded about design and architecture. But um, he kind of believes that he, he rejects modernism very thoroughly and believes that there's significant benefit to old time established building methods that have existed for thousands of thousands of years. And um, the nature of order is a little it's a little pitched and new agey, but if you kind of view it from a detached perspective and try not to be like overly persuaded by it, it's really fascinating. Um, and I'm just kind of deliberately going to go through a book every like year or two so that I don't like, you know, have a 2,800 page book in one go. Cause that can be a bit, a bit much. <laughs> Um, but I went through the first volume of it and it was pretty cool. So I, I recommend that. Good, good. Uh, I'm just starting to read. I can't give a review on it yet, but uh, a few friends have recommended Fanatical Prospecting by Jeb Blunt. I'm studying more and more on prospecting and it was recommended to me highly. And so I bought it and just haven't had a chance to dive into it yet. Uh, Deep Work by Cal Newport is a book I read this year and absolutely loved. I'd put it up there with The 12-Week Year by, oh, let me check the person's name here, uh, Brian Morin and The One Thing as being sort of a, a an unintentional trilogy, unconnected trilogy, let's say, about how to work better and how to structure your time and focus to make sure you're working on the most impactful things for your business. So between The 12-Week Year, The One Thing, and Deep Work, I think any reader could get a very, very solid understanding of how to orient their focus for the coming year and make sure they're working on the most important thing week to week, day to day, month to month. Um, let's keep doing one apiece. Uh, I, my favorite cookbook of the past five years is The Food Lab by J. Kenji Lopez-Alt. He runs the Serious Eats uh, Food Lab blog. And it's basically... 
we did a bunch of science to figure out and, and a lot of trial and error to figure out the absolute best poached egg. And here's all the reasoning for it. Yeah, it's, it's fucking great. It's like Cook's Illustrated, but way more accessible and way less granular. That's, you know, provide a lot of helpful insight for me in my kitchen. And it helped me sous vide a turkey for Thanksgiving last year, which was very helpful. Uh, yeah, strong recommendation. Good, good. Uh, are you a comic book fan? Um, graphic novels more than comic books. I know you're a huge comic book fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one that I'd strongly recommend, uh, it's by uh, Image uh, Sex Criminals. I think there's 25-ish issues out there. The, the general summary that, if any comic book readers are listening to this and want to dive into it, the general summary is, a woman discovers that she has the power to stop time when she orgasms and decides to use this to right wrongs. And it's very well written. The art is great. Uh, uh, it's, it's honestly one of my favorite graphic novels and comic books to have come out in the last few years. I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend it if you enjoy uh, uh, comic books. If you are suspicious about the technology called Bitcoin, Ooh. I have a terrific book for you. Um, a journalism professor at, I think, Columbia or something, somewhere in New York, uh, named, uh, no, it's not Columbia. I'm looking at the guy's name and his name last name is literally Golumbia, G-O-L. Um, he wrote a book called The Politics of Bitcoin Software as Right-Wing Extremism. Um, and it's exactly what it says on the tin. And I dined out on it like a steak. Oh, and it's like 75 pages long. It's super short. It's really great. Um, wow, four bucks on the Kindle. Four bucks on the Kindle. Thank me later. All right, you go. Um, I'm trying to think of what else comes to mind. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, I just, I, I'm slowly working my way through this, and I think it is one of the best books ever, ever, ever written. Uh, Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz. It's, it was on Amazon for $300, $400 a copy, and somebody acquired the rights to it and did a reprinting of it that is absolutely magnificent. It was like $150 or $200, and I'm two chapters into the book, and it's paid for itself. It is one of the best books I have ever read when it comes to copywriting, marketing, advertising, just understanding why people buy and why people don't. Uh, uh, absolutely love it. Breakthrough advertising, highly recommended. Gardening. I had no idea how to grow vegetables in my backyard. And, um, and I asked a couple people who are like really big on this stuff. I'm like, I just got a raised bed in my backyard and a hippie gave me all the soil and I have no idea what to do with it. Where do I begin? And uh, they all told they they all steered me like unanimously to this book called um, Square Foot Gardening. And it's, again, what it says on the tin. It is how to divide up your raised bed into square foot plots and garden. And I've, I've grown about 35 pounds of tomatoes, about one pound of about one pound of basil, about eight ounces of oregano, several dozen bell peppers, um, ba -ba 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 -ba, two cantaloupes, uh, a couple eggplants. Um, enough, right? A enough. fair amount of things. A lot of arugula, like a fucking and this is lot year of year one of your garden. 
this is year one. We're, we're in month five of my garden. Wow. We, we started late. So, um, yeah, uh, that hippie gave me really good soil. And Mel Bartholomew, the guy who runs this book, uh, wrote this book, Ain't Fucking Around. Fantastic book. Uh, extremely accessibly well-written. He's clearly a lucid teacher. And um, if you just like entertainingly well-written books that are very like conversational and um, pulled off well, like I can maybe two dozen in my life that I can even cite that. Um, this one is terrific. It's great. This is great. No, I, I haven't had a garden or a raised bed at my house for sadly coming on five years now. And I grew up with a mom who loves gardening. We had more than a half acre as her garden. And it was so, so, so wonderful just to grow up with that around and the fresh vegetables and working in the dirt and working in the earth. And I miss gardening. I just haven't put the time into build raised beds and start gardening again. But this, this, the, this is nudging me in that direction. Awesome. Um, you got any more? Oh, I'm trying to think what else has come to mind. I'm looking around at my desk. Uh, I'm doing a reread of Book Yourself Solid. Uh, I really actually enjoyed Tim Ferriss's latest book, and I'm completely blanking on the name. Uh, Titan, something Titan. Uh, Tools of Titans. Uh, summaries of his podcast interviews, uh, tactics, routines, and habits of billionaires, icons, and world-class performers. I went into it expecting it to be like a C minus of a book, some transcripts, but it actually came out to be a very engaging read. Uh, if you ever wanted like the Cliff's Notes version of a good podcast, Tools of Titans gives it to you along with direct, actionable, specific advice coming out of the interviews. It was it was a surprisingly good read for me, and I do recommend it. I got one last one. Um, we're going to just keep on the socialist shit. Zenep Tufekci, she is a researcher um, at the University of North Carolina, my alma mater, my grad school alma mater at least. And she wrote a book called Twitter and Tear Gas, The Power and Fragility of Networked Protest. And it talks in depth about how social media can help and hinder protest movements, um, which is catnip right now, right? Like it's a very good time to be thinking about that. And she ranges from like the Gezi park protests in Istanbul, where she grew up to Arab spring stuff in 2011, I believe 12, something like that, um, to occupy to, um, the current resistance and, um, all of it is super, super interesting. She talks a lot about the software constraints of it and, um, and how governments react and other institutions. Um, and it's, definitely worth taking a look at regardless of your political leanings. Cause there's a lot of like deep product insights that I think are really fascinating. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's great. Uh, uh, one last pick for me also from the comic book world East of West by Jonathan Hickman. Uh, imagine a cyberpunk post-apocalyptic dystopia set in an alternative old West of America. And you've got the gist. Uh, oh, and the uh, four horsemen of the apocalypse are searching for death who disappeared and left the remaining three alone. And it's a revenge story. It's a love story. It's an exploration of a beautifully well-built world. Uh, I've been reading this since issue one and, oh gosh, uh, we're up to trade paperback collection, I think seven or eight now. And it's just been solid hits every single issue. Highly recommended. And that's it. Um, 
that should give you some reading for a minute. Um, By the next episode, ideally, every listener has read all of these books. You have seven days. Go. Go. 